0: And welcome to another episode of Blessed are the Binary Breakers. I'm your host, Avery Smith, and I hope that you all are taking care. I'm doing pretty well myself. It was my one-year wedding anniversary yesterday, and since my wife and I couldn't really go anywhere to celebrate, we had a picnic in our backyard with chicken legs and wine and homemade lemon curd pavlova, and we read Mary Oliver poems to each other, And for a gift, Leah got me this little portable sound-absorbing panel, um, to help this recording sound even better. She was like, this will help you with your recording, because I believe in you and your podcast and the good work you're doing. So that was really adorable and sweet. I love her so much. I also just want to mention that my cat, um, Her new thing is that when I'm recording, I I sit on the floor for some reason, and I usually sit, you know, with my legs crossed, and she likes to come over, investigate my laptop and my microphone, and then climb into my lap and take a little nap um, while I record. So that's really cute, and that's... I just feel like y'all should know that there's a cat with us right now. Anyway, I am delighted to introduce this month's guest to you. I'm gonna sing their praises to an embarrassing extent, because I am just so happy to have gotten the chance to talk to them, and I know I'm gonna keep being in contact with them for a long time to come. When Chris Page reached out to me, and I realized they were the founder of TransFaith.info, I got super excited. I've enjoyed TransFaith's contents for the past couple of years, as it's a website that offers news and resources for trans folk across various religions, kind of like what I do here. And when I checked out Chris's website for their new books, otherwisechristian.com, I pretty quickly realized that a kindred spirit had reached out to me. Chris Page has been involved in the LGBTQ Christian scene in the United States for literally as long as I have been alive, a good 25 years. When I'm in Christian spaces today, the people there always act like I'm the first non-binary Christian in the whole world, like non-binary Christians are this newfangled thing. But no, Chris has been around and aware of their non binariness since 1999, before they even had the word non-binary to use for themselves. And so at that time, they created a word for themselves and for all others who do not fit into the Western binaries constructed around sex and gender, otherwise. In this episode, you're gonna get to hear Chris talk about the word otherwise coming to them on a mountaintop. You're gonna hear about how they started up a little site for trans people of faith because, hey, no one else was doing it back then. And how about a year ago, they decided the same thing when it comes to concise, accessible scholarship for trans, intersex, and otherwise Christians, and started churning out their own books to fill that gap. You're going to hear about how Chris resisted attending seminary for all these years, engaged in Christian spaces, But that they have finally decided to go to seminary this coming fall, even though their own beliefs have expanded beyond Christianity over the years, with animism and humanism in the mix. It's a lot of stuff, and this is a long episode, but I promise you every moment is golden. Talking to Chris felt like precious, sacred time to me. I have been scrambling and struggling for the past few years to glean every crumb of trans-Christian history I can find. I have paid for expensive old books because my seminary library doesn't carry them. I have scoured strange old websites tucked into the corners of the internet, and hit dead ends every time I've tried to dig up old scholarship by and for transgender Christians. And then here comes Chris Page, a veritable fountain of knowledge who has lived through much of that history that I have been so hungry for. And who, in their book Otherwise Christian, has compiled so much of that information I have struggled to find into one easy-to-access place. They are a kindred spirit indeed, and I hope y'all find this conversation with them even a little bit as nourishing as I did. Let's get into that now, Chris. I am beyond thrilled to get to talk to you today. Oh, when you sent me an email, at first I didn't know who it was, and then like I, you mentioned Transfaith, and I was like, I know Transfaith, like the the website. <laughs> and so as I like dug more into like your about section on your website and all that, I just got more and more excited and then bought all your books and started reading. I'm halfway through uh, the first one, otherwise okay. Christian part one. And just, it's like very exciting to get to meet the person who has put all this stuff together and who has been working in the sort of trans faith world for longer, like as long as I've been alive, it sounds like.
1: Oh uh, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting moment for me Uh, publishing these books because Mm -hmm. uh, I say otherwise Christian covers 25 years of transgender affirming biblical scholarship and then as I was starting to say that I was like oh that's a generation like that's a generation of scholarship and uh, I've been there for most of it but, but it's it, it really puts it in perspective in a different way. Because, of course, when you're living it, you, it's just one year at a time. It's one mm. day at a time, right? And you don't quite notice that, like, oh, a generation has passed. Or, like, you don't really think in those terms as you're breaking new ground. And so, so yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. And I, I really, I was thinking last night as I was sort of, you know, the preliminary conversation you have in your head before you have that conversation with the real person. And I was like, you know, this... Uh, Breaking the binaries podcast. like this is like if there were if there was podcasts when I was starting out in 1988, 1999, mm-hmm. this is probably the shape it would have taken, right? Like when mm-hmm. I was starting out, it was like a little angel fire website, a little freebie um, where you barely you, you could finally do a website that didn't require heavy HTML mm-hmm. uh, knowledge. Like it was just very early in web 1.0. And it's so different now to have access to audio and visual content uh, in, in addition to blogs and websites and, and books, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I got started on books <laughs> yeah, because there just wasn't the internet in the way right. that there is now. All that to say, I, I feel like, as you said, a kindred spirit, uh, mm-hmm. even though the technology is a little different than when I was start, starting out. So mm-hmm. thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, so sort of. First things first to backtrack a little bit, we should probably tell the audience a little bit more about you. I always like to offer space for you to tell them right off the bat, anything that you think they should know right away.
1: Yeah, thanks for the open-ended invitation. I'm, ch- I'm in a season of change in my own life, mm-hmm. and so some of the language I typically use is otherwise identified, which mm-hmm. talks about both gender as well as other ways of breaking the binaries as it was. So otherwise identified, um, and now I'm going to say editor and publisher, yes. which is a relatively new thing for me to be saying, uh-huh. like, out loud in the world. I say it on Facebook and different places, but <laughs> to actually say it out loud, I'm uh, otherwise identified editor and publisher and author and soon to be seminarian. Yes. So after 25 years of not going to seminary and uh, still not planning on being ordained, I'm going to be starting at Drew Theological School uh, in New Jersey, which is where I live currently uh, in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll be on campus or not because of all the things, uh, in the world but I am matric- matriculating and finally doing the seminary thing which will be an interesting part of my process yeah. so I'm also a parent and a dog owner and you know had a bunch of other experiences that are perhaps off topic or a different episode yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of sexuality culture wars and whatever but uh, so I'm 48 years old and I started identifying as transgender in 1999 so about 20 years of identifying as trans mm-hmm. and non-binary, I started identifying as non-binary before we had the language of mm-hmm. non-binary. And so this otherwise language is otherwise with a capital W, and it's sort of a deeper, richer version of non-binary, but kind of the same. And, and like I said, I started using that before we really had, had grabbed onto this language of non-binary. And so that's been an interesting part. Of my journey, I'm white, uh, Dutch and French Canadian descent, and I'm speaking to you from land that is cared taken by the Lenape, uh, by the Lenape people. So, I want to give honor to them as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, so, uh, there's so many directions I want to take. Yeah, them. any
1: openings you see?
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, there's so many places. So you tell me if you want to start somewhere else. Um, because I want to talk about your seminary future. But if we want to go back into the past first.
1: Yeah. So what do you? What do you want to hear yeah. more about? My weird. Weird. I'm starting <laughs> to identify as a misfit because I just feel like mm. you know, and sacred otherwise is other language I'm starting to use of like yes. not fitting in, but understanding that as sacred vocation. Mm -hmm. Uh, as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great place to start is just your word otherwise. And in one of your books or on your blog or somewhere, I saw that that word came to you on a mountaintop. I would love to hear about that. That sounds like a beautiful story.
1: Oh, goodness. Yeah. So otherwise gendered is what I use to describe anyone who sort of defies the binary notions of gender that we have in Western settler colonist culture, right? Mm -hmm. That there's two and only two genders. There's no other options other than those two, that your gender is defined at birth easily, that somehow they're supposed to magically know what you are Mm -hmm. based on looking at you as a newly born infant um, and that it's permanent and unchanging, Uh, And so it basically is a way to lump together all of us who are, you know, attacked or marginalized in different ways uh, by systems of, of gender oppression, you know, not just in terms of hierarchy, male, female, but, Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in, in all the other diversities and gender transcendent and gender creative um, kind of ways that humans can be, but otherwise was given to me in 1998. So I was going to, uh, for a few years already at that time, a uh, retreat, uh, LGBT young adult retreat, you know, the 18 to 30 year old range. And so I was in my mid 20s or late 20s. And uh, the, so the retreat was at Kirkridge, which is in the Pocono Mountains uh, of Pennsylvania, sort of northeastern Pennsylvania. And Can I it's ask
0: a, the denomination?
1: Kirkridge is historically Presbyterian, but okay. um, ecumenical. And there's actually, even before this, um, the Gay Lesbian Christian Retreat was a very historic gathering, I think typically led by Virginia Mollencott and John McNeil, who are mm-hmm. like 1970s gay and lesbian Christians. Yeah, big like,
0: names. Yeah. <laughs> big names,
1: old names. And they yeah. had started gathering people on the mountain. Um, I'm not sure what year the Gay Lesbian Christian Retreat uh, was. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, by the time I got there, that was kind of like the old Gay and Lesbian Christians, and we were mm-hmm. kind of next gen. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's tensions, right? Generational, Always. that's Yeah. Not brand new, and uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm glad in some ways to have that experience as a younger person then,
0: mm-hmm.
1: feeling tension because now I'm like, oh, I'm I'm the yeah. older generation now, and I'm still getting used to that, right? Yeah. Um, and and tr- I feel like transgender generational conversations are really odd, right? Because mm-hmm. you could be young in age and still have been, you know, I use self-avowed practicing language, <laughs> uh, partly on purpose to play with some of the way Christian denominations yes. have treated folk, but self-avowed practicing transgender person yeah. um, for 15 years, and you could still be, you know, in your 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could be a brand new baby trans and be 75 years old, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a real dynamic there, I think, that there's a lot to unpack about how that plays out. But so I was I was a young something, uh, and there was an older generation of folk. And, and so Kirkridge is a historically Presbyterian retreat center on the mountain, and the adjacent land was purchased by some gay men who were really into like Celtic spirituality sure, and okay. standing stones. It's called column style. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's this amazing holy hybrid of Christian tradition structures next to naturalistic kind of animist spirituality. And so on column style land, there was a men's sacred site and there was a women's sacred site Okay, and there was no place for the rest of us. Yeah. And of course, every place is for the rest of us as well. But on this youth retreat, somehow somehow, there was a decision to open up a space for otherwise, right? For the rest of us. Mm. Um, And I actually wrote about this on that very early Angel Fire website. Mm -hmm. But it was this, it it was like an afternoon and it was before dinner and we went out and we went down this path, you know, crossing the boundary line between Kirkridge and Columnsile and we turned to the right and we went down that 50 yards, mm-hmm. something, not that far. And we realized we're headed to the house of the caretakers. And we're like, oh, this is the wrong direction. And then we turned and that's where otherwise is. It was like this place right at the boundary line where where young ne- next generation folk had said, oh, we're going the wrong direction and realized that's exactly where we needed to be. Wow. Um, and then we said, "Oh, it's time for dinner. Must go."
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and we came back the next morning and sprinkled fairy dust and glitter and blessed the land and claimed it as our own. And it's it's sort of off the edge of the map. If you go to Combsile, you may see a, mm-hmm. a map and find the men's site or the women's site. There's we're not on the map. Okay. Um, and one of the caretakers, uh, now deceased, Combsile is now in um, in trust as the owners have passed on greeted us that morning and was like this is actually it used to be uh how do you say it? a kern like a place where you burn pottery or something like there's um, a place of fire it was a place okay. of fire yeah. as it turned out that there were rocks in the i don't know if you've been in the mountains before that it's like old glacier flows and so there's mm-hmm. stones that are mm-hmm. naturally placed and then there was also this sort of collection of bricks so it's, it's a fascinating like so i went back in that overnight space onto mm-hmm. the land and felt spoken to now i was raised in protestant christianity baptized christian reformed which is like dutch ethnic presbyterian right yeah. so decent and in an order and yeah. you know you don't have stained glass images yeah. because that would be idolatry and your yeah. your music is organized your organization
0: very still yes yeah, still
1: certain. quiet 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 all yeah, these yeah, things yeah. yeah and so so that was my background so so this thing about like hearing the trees talking to me in the middle of the night like mm. that's not my spiritual background right um and and has literally taken me 20 years to figure out how to begin to talk about it and and to own it and to embrace it, um, in in and that's still very much a part of my process of of what it means. But I did I did I did feel spoken to and was able to speak on behalf of the gatekeepers of these sacred trees that marked the opening of this unmarked sacred site mm-hmm. to greet the group and then I and then we went home and I went back to like doing this Christian ministry stuff at the other side magazine and life went on and it was just like I, you know I don't quite what do I do with that I don't know yeah. what I don't know what to do with that um, yeah. and so it's really been part of my multi-faith journey not specifically to unpack that experience but I have been blessed by working with folk who are connected to indigenous spiritual spirituality and what folk call pagan in different ways and Buddhists and Muslims and Jews. And, and, and so part of the wisdom that I've experienced is hearing from other folk who do come from traditions, right. Where, yeah, of course, whether you call it hearing voices, right. Which kind Mm -hmm. of is reductionist, but you know, that somehow a message was given. Yeah. Um, and, and have been slowly learning how to embrace that yeah. in my own journey.
0: That's beautiful. And um, that reminds, like, um, in seminary, we talked about, because I am I went to a Presbyterian seminary. So we've got that idea of, yeah, keep very still and stuff. And we talked a lot in some of the classes that were more about, like, looking wider than that. Talking about how Reformed Protestantism became, the world became disenchanted, that, so many other cultures and faiths have this enchanted world where spirits can talk to you, where the world can talk to you. And there's sort of this magic there, or however you want to call that, that kind of gets lost. And so it's, it's really cool to hear that even though you grew up in that disenchanted world, that enchantment found you in this place that was on the borders or sort of in between that liminal place that y'all made for yourselves. That's really cool. <laughs>
1: Amen. I would say disenchanted and disembodied, right? And I think yes. those two go hand mm-hmm. go hand in hand, right? That we're mm-hmm. supposed to push away these messages from outside of ourselves, even the messages from inside of ourselves and in our mm-hmm. bodies. And yeah. um, I think that then connects back to being trans or non-binary or um, yeah. or otherwise gendered, because we really need to claim our bodies
0: in mm.
1: in fresh ways as well.
0: Yeah. 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 So you had that moment, and but you mentioned going back to ministry, so. Before you sort of came out as trans and as otherwise, um, were you already out as gay? Like how um, sort of already you were in that that world of the like lesbian and gay Christians?
1: I was very much in that world. Okay. Um, okay. I became agnostic in high school. I was, I was like, dear God, if you're there, I know you understand. I'm just trying to be like honest and have integrity that I don't know that you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, God fixed that over the years, I guess. And, in some ways, but I got to college and I promptly fell in love with a Southern Baptist missionary. Mm. Okay. Um, later, I would fall in love with a United Methodist minister. Like I have a type, I guess. <laughs> I dated a, I dated a former Catholic nun. Like something about oh women religious. Oh my god. Um, so lots of stories there. But so I yeah I I came out as a lesbian not during that dysfunctional relationship in college. But uh, mm-hmm. as I was leaving college, I was coming out as lesbian. And, and so because I worked at the other side magazine after college, which was a very progressive, no longer exists, but very progressive lefty um, ecumenical magazine.
0: Okay.
1: I got quickly connected to lesbian and gay, really, because bisexual and transgender were still mm-hmm. not really, like the acronym hadn't grown in that way in 94, or 95 that was just in process, you know. So I I remember being at a Christian Lesbians Out gathering, and this is one of my formative experiences. And sitting in a circle, maybe thirty women, including Virginia Mollenkott, Melanie Morrison, Janie Spar, mm-hmm. having greetings sent from Irene Monroe and Mary Hunt, who couldn't be there, Carter Hayward, and so there was this. This is sort of sh- around the time or shortly after the Reimagining Conference, which is another historic event in terms of women's. And lesbian experience. So there was sort of this burgeoning, you know, girls, you know, say the old boys club, there was an old girls club (laughs) Uh um, that those were folk that I sort of came out into this circle of folk who had already been breaking ground. So, so that was a blessing. And it was also interesting for me over the years to be like, but I'm not actually a woman. Mm -hmm. And so I have access to this, you know, what I just called it old girls club kind of Resourcing of this growing institutionalization of LGBT, you know, lesbian, gay institutional life, right? Clergy folk, mm-hmm. doctorates, and book writers, and nonprofit managers, and so forth. But like, it wasn't quite who I was, not quite. Yeah. Um, and so when I came out as trans and non-binary without having that language, you know, it it was it's interesting. Like, I had I had some support. Uh, I certainly have people who loved me, mm-hmm. but it's been an awkward process of like, you have these institutions that have just figured out how to stand as lesbian and gay positive, right. In a world that's sort of against us. And then, you have this extra, multiple marginalized kind of folks. So people of color saying like, "Hey, y'all are really white," yeah, and the trans folk are like, "Hey, y'all are really cisgender," and you know, yeah. eventually the conversation opens up to to bodies and disabilities and all the different things, right? Mm-hmm. So so, but you still have this uh, sort of initial power structure of very white cisgender lesbian and gay experience, of course, at first it was gay experience and the lesbians were breaking in, right? So there's just these waves and waves of trying to open up the conversations, and we sometimes talk about that in terms of theology or socio-cultural experience, but I think we don't talk as much about how that affects our institutions, right? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's respectable, who's credentialed, who's authoritative, who do we look to as celebrities, um, I'm not into celebrity culture, but still it, it matters. like that you, you've yeah. heard of certain people and you haven't heard of others.
0: yeah, um, and whose whose work gets sent out into the world and who is doing incredible work, but it is completely ignored.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. who gets who gets interviewed on podcasts and who does? not yeah. you know like yeah even, and and, who, and then it's also who has the wherewithal to mm-hmm. start something new, who feels mm-hmm. entitled? Uh, oh, entitled gosh. you know yeah. can be a, a bad word but um who feels entitled to start a podcast who are you yeah. Avery to
0: you know no, yeah you're what, so right what young
1: punk doing a podcast but like <laughs> that was me in 1999 like i'm gonna build a mm-hmm. website mm-hmm. you know no websites were not it was a different time but you know it was just like i, I wasn't anybody magically yeah. famous or something it was just like this didn't exist yeah and it and it needed to has exist. to do it yeah yeah and so i you know i've I, I did it. Um, I actually put it down for like seven years
0: Mm. and,
1: um, you know, I had life and family and the things that happen in life. Uh, (laughs) in 2007 spirit sort of, you know, tapped me on the shoulder or kicked me in the butt and was like, you need to do this thing, you know? And, Mm -hmm. uh, and so then when one, one of the ways spirit tapped me on the shoulder was to Google transgender Christian Mm. to do a, the, the, um, committee on women's ministry I think in the PCUSA wanted me to lead a session uh, while they were in in Philadelphia on transgender experience so I hadn't really touched it for a while yeah but I said Google transgender Christian Mm
0: -hmm. and guess
1: what the number one search result was after seven years your website Seven years later, yeah. I hadn't touched it for seven years, yeah. and uh, and I was the number one Google search result for transgender Christians. So I was like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: oh, I'm like oh, um, I better update this thing. <laughs> yeah,
1: and so I, yeah. I long long story short, I changed it to a content management system, so it'd be easier to maintain, and mm-hmm. started reaching out again. And then I started actually meeting trans folk in real life, right? Because yeah. in 1999, it was really like. I'm emailing people, right, and mm-hmm. on the internet, and so I started getting invited to a couple of things and started meeting people. And people would be like, "Well, what pronouns do you use?" I was like, "I don't know. Nobody ever and asked me that before." <laughs> and what
0: what year would this be? Just to sort
1: of ground it in two thousand eight two thousand eight. Okay. Yes. So the second transgender religious leader summit at Pacific School of Religion, okay. and the, the Fellowship of Affirming Ministries malcolm hymnshoot was the one who asked me my pronouns for the first time that was at at Mm -hmm. a reconciling ministries convocation and i was like i was tripping over myself i was like i i I don't know what are my what are are my pronouns i'd never really thought about that before and so you could you could kind of use whatever feels right to you and Mm -hmm. and it was really magical and of course they them was not like such a like i hadn't crossed my mind about they Mm -hmm. them yet um so it was kind of like he or she and um
0: yeah, I was I was, been- was going to ask about that like when did you learn about like they pronouns and also like neo pronouns and stuff. So
1: Yeah, yeah. So so then it was still kind of he she and I was I I had carved out a written space about I'm something other than male and other than female. Right. And so Malcolm asked me and I said, Well, just use whatever feels right to you in the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, now Malcolm and I were both in this LGBT Christian kind of infrastructure, right? Staff on different places and whatever. Yeah. And uh, and so he called me or emailed me a few weeks later or maybe a month later and said, you know, I was on this conference call with this group of whoever colleagues, and I referred to you as he. I just wanted to let you know. And it it blew me away because not only did he ask, he then honored yeah. what I had said, that, that he could use what felt right. And it felt right to him in that moment. And then he reported back because he knew that it would matter to me, right? Yeah. That, that it mattered that he had heard me. And so I, I, I think there's just so much power in trans folk being with other trans folk, right? Mm. That Sometimes we don't even know what we need. We don't even know what we know until we have somebody who shares a similar experience. and Malcolm's experience isn't exactly the same as mine, but who shares a similar enough experience to be able to ask these yeah. powerful loaded questions. Yeah. Uh, and then it's it's magic that's when the enchantment comes. That's like the magic, yeah. right, really comes and you're like, oh, I didn't I didn't know. I was so caught right in this yeah. other worldview or something. And and we need one another to draw out the magic f- from each other. So that would have been mid two thousands but you were asking about pronouns. So I actually was having like a brunch conversation with an old friend um, and we got talking about Genesis chapter one. I mean, she was asking me about pronouns and Mm -hmm. I don't exactly know how the conversation started, but, but I got talking about pronouns in Genesis one. And I was like, you know, God made they and them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, holy cow. I need to. (laughs) I need to I need to start using they them pronouns because Genesis because I need to claim that I'm made in the image of God and and so mm. for me the they them pronouns were really a theological choice right mm. that, to embrace myself and 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 gave me a different kind of impulse or motivation for saying I'm, I'm not just being conflictual for the sake <laughs> of some creative I and mean, this is how they paint. It's not true, but it's, this is how they mm-hmm. marginalize us as to say, Oh, it's just some creative avant-garde, way of doing something weird
0: right yeah or worst of all the special snowflakes
1: special yeah Yeah.
0: you're just trying to be cool and get attention it's like no really not
1: so it it gave me this foundation to say like no i'm speaking theologically about Mm -hmm. i'm made in the image of that kind of god who breaks boundaries who busts open categories and um that's what they them means to me Mm -hmm. um and so there's a, a story this did make the the book. Um, you said you weren't quite done with it. So you probably right, haven't. Yeah. Gotten to, it's in chapter 25. This is my climactic yeah. chapter where I'd follow Jesus through Holy Week, right? Which is actually kind of copying Shay Kearns and Queer Theology has a, a ebook that's walking through to resurrection, something, walking in resurrection. It's, it's good. It's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of a little riff off of what he had done with his own story. He was sort of making personal connections to Holy Week. And I was like, let me try this yeah and so in the opening i'm talking about when my daughter who was then i think she was nine she was like fifth grade and so i started using they them pronouns and i put it on facebook because facebook facebook uh, official (laughs) and then my parents came to visit so you know they live like 12 hours away and my parents sort of opened the conversation we're like we saw on facebook that you use and they're very supportive they're very lovely and they were sort of confessional that we're trying and we're trying to correct each other and we're working on Hmm. it but we're not we're still working you know we're in Works in progress. Meanwhile, my fifth grade daughter was sort of hearing this for the first time and she was like, Well, do I have to correct my friends like in -hmm. the neighborhood? She's she was adopted through foster care. So I was it was just easier to be a lesbian in foster care and adoption and let's not try to make it more complicated than it already is. And it it turns out her birth family is like incredibly supportive and well prepared. So like give people some credit. But but in any case I had been mommy Chris for a long time and Mm -hmm. and so this they them was and but she also knew like I was different right and she would Mm -hmm. say you know I know you're a boy because you wear boy clothes and well it's more not exactly a boy and Mm -hmm. you know so we'd been having these conversations for years and so my gender wasn't really a new thing but using they them pronouns was a new thing so do I have to correct my friends no you don't have to correct your friends now she's in fifth grade and in fifth grade you're still learning about pronouns you're learning right. about you know yeah. subjects and verbs agreement and but she so she was trying to say but they them is plural but she didn't mm. have that language right so she was kind of yeah. hemming and hawing because she didn't have quite the precise language of singular or plural pronouns and we were starting to have an awkward conversation about that and she finally just said
0: ah, can
1: i just can i call you zem oh okay like with a z and i yeah. was like trying not to cry yeah like Yes, that's beautiful. Yeah. And that became like a pet nickname. You know, mm-hmm. I love my Zay. It Aww. became this very affectionate kind of thing for us. And yeah, so I so in the in that last chapter of the book I was like, what if Jesus was Zay or Zem? And Ooh. And played with that because you know there's 24 chapters before that that kind of build up to why yeah, one might sure. say mm-hmm. Jesus could have been something like a eunuch and what that means in ancient right. So like 24 chapters of build up, and I was like, okay, this is my last chapter. Let's let's see what it feels like to follow mm-hmm. a Zezem Jesus through Holy Week um, oh, to I the cross that. and through the resurrection and I don't don't know if I should reveal the ending or anything like that go buy the book (laughs) yeah check out out my blog I have to give it away I have to give it away
0: please yeah I think that will encourage people to go get it for themselves
1: final section of the final chapter is like resurrected Jesus right like we've gone through holy week crucifixion and the waiting and then the final section is titled still fucking here Mm which is Miss Major, if you know Miss Major, who was at the Stonewall Riots, Black transgender woman who's done incredible work uh, over decades, right, was radicalized when she was in prison. I've had the privilege of knowing her and, and knowing folk who consider her close family. Um, and so I know her, I know something about her heart and her spirit, as well as sort of her media presence. And she curses like a sailor. So don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> If that makes you uncomfortable, like the the book doesn't, doesn't go there in terms of profanity as it were until that last section of the last chapter. So it's not all like that, but I didn't realize until I was writing that chapter, like how do I think about resurrected Jesus? And I was like, I think of, I think of resurrected Jesus coming into those locked rooms with scared disciples who were, you know, frightened of the powers that be. Mm -hmm. And Jesus comes in like miss major and says, baby, we got you. We got you. I'm still fucking here. I'm still fucking here. We got this. So, I knew I loved Miss Major, right? Like I yeah. knew I had feelings, but but I hadn't made that theological connection mm-hmm. until I started trying to write that write that piece. So again, yeah. it's like it's like the magic comes, but you don't necessarily expect. You don't even know mm-hmm. what you
0: know. Yeah. You
1: know, you know, there's stuff we know in our bones from living and surviving and being in community mm-hmm. and helping one another um, and being present with one another. Mm-hmm. And and we know stuff in our bones that we don't even have words for for a long time.
0: So we have gotten to where we're talking about your book in more detail. But one thing I'd love to hear more about is that process of writing these four books because you, uh, in the past 12 months, just one (laughs) year, four books, and you say there's a fifth on the way. And I just, that's just so incredible. That's so much, (laughs) so much wisdom to get onto paper and get out into the world. And that's, I'm very impressed. Please tell me
1: about it. It does feel like sort of a long overdue birthing. Like Mm. I built websites and then the website kind of turned into a nonprofit organization. And so doing multi-faith work and I did, otherwise Christian did get written in the nine months before it was published. So Mm. that, that did take more work, but I had been doing like the website work and, Um, multi-faith organizing co-founding trans faith moving it from being just a website to being an actual organization which is where i started working with lewis mitchell more um, but also with a community of folk right once i started actually meeting trans folk i was like my people everybody you know like come on let's do stuff together yeah so that so that would happen and and meanwhile like friends and colleagues were going to seminary and getting ordained and you know doing things in other traditions and i just kind of thought other people would be doing it right like there's Uh, like a lot of what i'm writing is kind of again it's stuff we know in community like i've i'm I'm not all the way through catching up on your podcast but like you're talking about genesis and you're talking about image of god and you're talking about wrestling with jacob and like there's 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 stuff that's you know, kind of, if you're going to survive in Christian or maybe Jewish tradition, you're going to figure some of this stuff out. It's mm-hmm. it's going to get passed along some kind of way. But there wasn't really any one book when when we would table at the Philadelphia Trans Health Conference, the Philadelphia Trans Wellness Conference now, and people would come up and say, what's the book I should give to my mm-hmm. mother-in-law? What's mm-hmm. the book I should give to my young, newly transitioning whoever in my life? I'd be like, well, you know, this one's kind of good and that one's kind of good. It's kind of academic or yes. this one's a little bit autobiographical, you mm-hmm. know, less theological, like, you know. And so Austin Harkey's book um, more recently mm-hmm. um, is is a good one to recommend. Mm-hmm. And I was always struggling and I thought I should build something on the website to answer FAQs and, you know, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And finally, I was I was tabling at the conference in 2018, I guess, August and, it, and literally across from Austin, who was tabling his book, and I uh-huh. was like, otherwise uh-huh. Christian, a guidebook for transgender liberation, it should, have, it should go like this. And it like popped, right? Like I was yeah. like, this is the book that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took several months for me to sort of find my voice, um, mm-hmm. how academic, how scholarly, how personal, like those kinds of things. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's some fits and starts. I actually often start with the cover not always, but like, so I actually did the cover to Otherwise Christian and went around with this bread and chalice to the beach yeah. and to the forest. And the final picture that's on the cover is actually from that sacred Otherwise site. Like that is bread and chalice at yeah. Otherwise, at the boundary line between Kirkridge and Columnsile. So so yeah, so for me, the, the, the hard part was finding my voice. So like from August to December, and I was finally starting to make some progress. And then I got like a sinus infection, you know, like winter stuff and it kind of lingered. And I mean, it turns out, I think my hormones were changing, but it took me months to kind of figure out like, Mm -hmm. why am I so tired all the time? And so there was like a gap of a couple of months where I, I wasn't writing. And then I picked it up Holy Week of two thousand nineteen and uh-huh. I started writing sort of front to back. You know, I had I had already started it, right? So it was like cleaning up the front. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of wrote it front to back and it was just like, I gotta get it out. I gotta I just I have to and I had I had ordered books, I had continuing ed money that I used to like get the books that I didn't have already in my library to mm-hmm. check. Because I was in that in otherwise Christian, I'm quoting a lot of other people who've done work over the years, and um, getting academic articles emailed to me from people who do have who did have seminary access or library access to the you know 1997 articles whatever so different ways as an independent scholar to get access to to things and i wanted to push it out by conference season so must have been memorial day weekend a four day weekend like i wrote four or five chapters in one weekend and i was just like sitting there like (laughs) pushing out this stuff um to get it done and and you know i i actually identify as an animist and i've done lots of Mm. multi-faith work and i'm probably converting to humanism to Mm. To pursue chaplaincy credentials because I'm I don't want to be Christian clergy, mm-hmm. um, so I'm like sorting out some of that anticipatory stuff about what seminary and and pursuing yeah. chaplaincy will mean. Yeah. Um, so so my worldview is is broader, and so it feels in some ways like I need to get all this Christian stuff out, <laughs> in order to make space in yeah. my brain to be yeah. able to say like, but what I actually believe, not that I mm-hmm. disbelieve what I'm writing. Uh, I experienced Christianity as an ancestral tradition, right? It's Mm -hmm. what's been passed on to me. Um, Black church traditions have become really important to me in terms of embracing my body and emotion and ancestral community Mm -hmm. and resistance and all of like, so there's different kinds of Christianity. And so there's the one I was born into and there's other kinds of Christianity that I have embraced and they have embraced me in different ways. And so I, I, I tried to leave Christianity and and it was like the ancestors were like no it's okay you took <laughs> you took a break but you know you, huh. you you're not done you you got yeah. work to do here so yeah. there is this this impulse this feeling of like I have to do some of this Christian decolonizing work that's part of the seminary journey is I want to have master's credentials, so I can teach people who have master's credentials, right, to to make right. sense out of continuing ed opportunities. That's important. And, and to maybe go on and do doctoral work, because like the area of uh, practical theology, pastoral care, in terms of transgender people like it's really thin like it's yes. re- yeah. really thin and like creating these four books like mm-hmm. doubles the amount of relevant material that exists in mm-hmm. the world yeah. like that's we're how small
0: there. it's yeah.
1: really sad and it's really stunning yeah. because it's we're so publicly visible right it's such a conversation yeah. topic yeah. in the public eye yeah. and yet the stuff that exists out there is mostly like lgbt that kind of adds on you know adds on t as an afterthought Uh, really talking about lesbian and gay stuff or it's antagonistic and then there's some of our stuff but again with this sort of sense of entitlement like i feel Mm -hmm. like in some ways i have from this 20 years from first being in the circle of christian lesbians oh they're just human like and they're my friends and like they did important things right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and to be like i'm like them even in my difference and then to do this website and the organization, it's like, oh, I feel, I do feel entitled enough to write a book. And I've heard enough stories about our folk going to publishers who say, well, there's no market for this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You need to add more, literally, you need to add more sex and intrigue. <laughs> what? That was the latest story I heard from somebody who, who sent me something, and they're like, All yeah, right. I, 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 I was floating this with a publisher and they said, we need <laughs> add more names and tell us more about your, the kind of sex you mm. had with them. And I was just like, oh, uh, I'm not a Puritan, uh, puritanical or, or something like pro body, pro sex, but you, you don't get to demand that somebody's yes. spiritual experience then be mixed up with their sexuality. If that's not the story that they're trying to share. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I feel like I've, I've heard over and over again, people being, People spending a lot of time. You know, Austin has this book, and it took him a long time to find a publisher. Like the people who yeah. do get get marketed, it, it, if you talk to them, it, it takes a long time it's to still, to, yeah. to work up to it. And I was just like, I don't have time for that. I, yeah. I really, I don't have energy for that. I don't have time for that. I'm just going to write the book and see what happens. And so, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit uppity to start with, and then I I get a, a little traction, and I get a lot more uppity, and. Uh, you know that's a good thing it bothers some people it's you know it's an awkward place to be like i i i don't have a masters degree and i don't have clergy credentials but i've been in this for 20 years and i, I can write a good book yeah. so uh, it's it's an interesting process in terms of where we are as a as a movement as it were right trans folk in general specifically around trans spirituality kinds of stuff that we're just i think starting to get the gumption to say we can't wait for y'all to give us permission yeah yes. we can't yeah. wait for y'all to give us a green light like we're still we're here living life and yes. we have testimonies to share so mm-hmm. let's let's do it and so otherwise christian too so the first one did biblical scholarship the the second one otherwise Christian two stories of resistance is like uh, anthology. So -hmm. when I finished the first book, I was like, let me hear from my friends. And I literally just kind of went, tell me, tell me about your life and make it connect to scripture in some way. Like that was the extent of the ask in most cases. And some of it, you know, I got on the phone or on zoom and recorded a conversation with them. And like, I might've Uh done the writing to turn their thoughts into written word because not everybody's right. like super excited about staring at words on a page to yeah. you know, get their thoughts out yeah um and sometimes it was like a sermon or multiple sermons that we then mashed up to sort of do something with and um but mostly it was just like my friends <laughs> like tell me something about how your life works and it's i have to say i'm very proud of it uh, i don't think anything like it exists or the last time anything like it existed was like 2003 when barbara did a thing with the unitarian universalists okay and so specifically christian anthology of transgender non-binary and intersex there's five openly Mm -hmm. intersex authors out of 29 which is not enough but Mm -hmm. it's Huge
0: in terms of talking compared about. to what we have, yeah. yeah.
1: So um, I feel yeah. honored that they trusted me as well. It's it's majority people of color, uh, black, indigenous, mm-hmm. Latinx folk. It's it's incomplete. Uh, it's not everything it needs to be, but it's sure. it's. I'm I'm really proud of it. And then the other two books that I published under my own name mm-hmm. are what I call otherwise reflection guides. Uh-huh. And so those are much smaller projects that are designed for like a church study group or. Um, I realized I wrote this big biblical scholarship book. That's really kind of accessible as biblical scholarship goes, but Mm -hmm. is it really the first thing that you want to hand over to your mother-in-law or, and like miss major still fucking here is not exactly the landing place for, you know, somebody who's brand new. So I did a short series on for our, our Bible app and I called it Christian faith and gender identity And so I did these seven devotionals uh, for their format and was like, oh, it's almost a book already. (laughs) Uh Seven, seven short chapters to sort of introduce concept around Christian faith and gender identity. I said, let me make this Mm. into a book. So I added some questions and sort of poetry liturgical stuff at the back. So that's, Mm. that was a smaller one. It's not exactly a cliff notes version of otherwise Christian, but it's, it's very overlapping Mm -hmm. um, in what it does. And then, um, and then, I had a different idea for the next otherwise reflection guide that I still plan on doing, but um, it was transgender day of remembrance again in November. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did a, another thing for our Bible app and was like, what if I put together some of the stuff I wrote in 2013 and some other stuff. And I was like, Oh, there's a book about, yeah. you know, transgender tragedy. So that one's in called called in remembrance of me mm-hmm. bearing witness to transgender tragedy. Yeah. You know, I think people get, kind of blindsided a little bit if you will by like if you enter into conversations into community with transgender folk and you're like we're always talking about i don't mean this in a bad way it's just it's Mm -hmm. kind of overwhelming sometimes suicide and murder and can't get health care and like like there's just there's a lot of tragedy and Mm -hmm. i think christian tradition has a lot to say about how we cope with tragedy but um it's not that's not how it's usually taught, right? And so yeah. this the second otherwise reflection guide was, was very much like working with material I already had, but mm-hmm. uh, pointed in this direction of like, how do we grapple with tragedy? Um, mm-hmm. The tragedy that's kind of always around us, unfortunately given the world. Yeah, that we live in. So so those four are all under my name. And then book number five, Jonathan Thunderword's book just came out basically first of May. Trying to launch books in a pandemic is kind of weird. Oh gosh, we, had, yeah. we had hoped to launch at the Black Trans Advocacy Conference in, in Dallas, which mm-hmm. should be going on right now if it weren't for the pandemic. So that one's called From Christendom to Freedom: mm. Journey
0: Making with a Black Transgender Elder. What what you were saying about who feels entitled to or able to, empowered to write and publish and share their work, it's mostly white people like us. It's mostly people with those those big degrees. They've been to seminary. They might have a doctorate. And so it makes me really happy that you've been able to get your work out there. And legit, like you've clearly done the same kind of theological research that someone who's gone to seminary would do. And yet most people in your position probably wouldn't think that they could do it.
1: One of the things I'm most excited about the the librarian, I think I'm already kind of like notable to the, (laughs) theological librarian at drew because he's like oh you're very excited to be having access to these library materials Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't have to use continuing ed money to like buy books i could actually like interlibrary loan and databases and you know imagine what
0: i could do if i actually have resources like that that is very much um this is kind of a tangent but what you were talking about about like just what books are out there even the ones that are out there like at my seminary library You know, it's a progressive seminary. So they have like shelf after shelf of LGBT books. But you're right. It's mostly LG, a little bit of B. And some of them you'll look in the index for like if the word transgender is ever used and it's just not. The cover might say LGBT and then there's no actual T in there. And then the trans-specific shelf, it's less than half a shelf of of books. I'm gonna be telling them to get your books because it is and they have mm-hmm. they have Austin Harkeys transforming, they have mm-hmm. the older stuff like Justin Tanis's book from 2003, Omni Gender by Virginia, Virginia. Mollencott. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I was excited to have those, but it's just it's not enough. And if you don't have seminary library near you that you have access to and you don't have the money to pay for some of these books, which especially the older ones can get real pricey. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, there's so little available, which is one reason why I like having this podcast and a website that's free for people. But I also do, I'm excited about your book because it's like, it's not, super cheap. um, But it's like, it's combining all these books that most people can't have access to, or the language is just so more academic than they're used to reading that now they have one place to go. And it makes me so happy.
1: Yeah. But, yeah. And, and, and I did a crazy thing with some support from my parents. I bought 3000 copies of it.
0: Oof, because okay. I want,
1: I wanted to be able to. If you want to buy five oh, or ten or fifteen yeah, books uh-huh. and work it, you know, so that you can share it with your trans support groups, so or you can share it with your campus ministry, yes, so you can share yeah. it with, so that it, it brings the cost down to ten dollars a book instead of twenty five. Oh, and, that's way cheap. That, yeah, and yeah, and so. You know, I can't do that. I mean, right, there's economics of scale and I'm not a big mm-hmm. publisher or, or whatever, but yeah. I wanted to be able to, you know, get the bulk discount on that yeah. first order yeah. so that I have some options for being able to distribute it. So I'm excited that you'll be asking for it at your at your, at your yes. seminary library. And I mm-hmm. hope other folks will do that, too. I think that's one yeah. of the great ways that in general, like when you hear about a, a good book, you know, mm-hmm. ask for it at your public library. Right. If, yes. if you don't have yes. to spend yeah. you know 10 or 15 or 25 dollars on mm-hmm. it or god forbid 160 on on some of the academic yes. ones like ask for it at your library and that helps mm-hmm. authors you know make a living um, and then makes mm-hmm. it accessible not just to you right other people
0: find there, it on the shelf yeah and might,
1: and might need it so that's yeah. a really important part of it and yeah. and and, it, and it's you you know the the beginning of this part of the conversation was like how did i do four or five books in less yeah. than 12 months and and, and yeah. partly, i just asked my friends Right. Some of it is, you know, the the first three are actually stuff that I wrote, but the most recent two are very much Let me invite my friends, let yes. me help my friends get their wisdom out because I know these yes. folk you know I'm getting to know you like there's just so mm-hmm. much wisdom there's so much knowledge there's amazing yeah. stories to be yeah. told and we're, we're not inviting each other like the publishers mm-hmm. let me put it this way the, the publishers the church yeah. world the academy is not inviting us to bring that wisdom forward so we have to yeah. do that yeah. uh, we have to do that for and with yeah. One another, and and I'm yeah. I'm privileged and honored to be able to do that in this like make let's make some books kind of way. Yeah. Um, there's otherwise Christian three and otherwise Christian four are currently in the works. Ooh. Otherwise Christian three mm-hmm. has a subtitle: What shall prevent me? Which is mm, from the from Ethiopian eunuch story
0: yeah. in
1: Acts eight, and so that's really trying to add in you know extra layers of intersectionality. It's, um yeah. and uh african uh, african diaspora black church traditions yeah. and so i touch on that in otherwise christian one but I, there's so yeah. much more to be said about how people's lives intersect with that story and so that one's currently open accepting articles chapters oh. and then otherwise christian four will focus on intersex lives like and mm-hmm. so this will be an anthology specifically around intersex experience and we'll probably oh, do that some is more so needed some more specifically Bible stuff to unpack Mm -hmm. intersex in the Bible in in deeper ways than I did in my first book, because there's some good resources. We can rightly complain about Mm -hmm. how little has been done Mm -hmm. around transgender theological work, Mm -hmm. but there's so much less,
0: almost almost
1: nothing. We have this modern imagination we've been colonized into that it's been male and female from the beginning, and that's actually not how if you look at the classical works, there there were men, and then there was unmen, and it's just much more interesting. Like, yeah. So and so the eunuchs from birth that Jesus talks about in Matthew, mm-hmm. like there was a category eunuchs of the sun, right? That you were a yeah. eunuch from the moment the sun laid eyes on you. And so they knew about intersex people, uh, particularly folk with ambiguous genitalia, which is not the experience of every intersex condition, but they Mm. knew about, like Jesus knew about that. Jesus clearly knew about that. That was something that they knew of in the ancient world. It it was much more nuanced and complex than this like male, man or woman, the, the the medical systems encourage invisibility, secrecy, mm-hmm. silence. Yeah. And so the revolution has been folk with intersex conditions finding each other yeah. and being like, they told you that mess too. <laughs> like, yeah. they lied to you like that too. It wasn't just yeah. me. They lied to your parents yeah. um, and told you like you needed to have stuff cut off because it was cancerous when – it had nothing to do with cancer. So, you know, it's, it's definitely, I feel like there needs to be a lot more solidarity between intersex and transgender yeah. Yeah. communities while recognizing that our experiences are, are different, right. Mm-hmm. That, that um, mm-hmm. transgender folks struggle to gain access to surgeries and intersex folk are like trying to stop non-consensual surgeries, t- yeah. especially on children. So yeah. it's different, but the underlying colonization there is Mm. Is the same anyway. So, so yeah. So, I would invite folk if you uh, if you want to write. If you think you have even even if you're not sure if you have a story, right? Uh Like odds odds are, you do have a story that needs to be told. You have a testimony to share, and odds are it's not already on that little tiny bookshelf you're talking about it. Mm -hmm. The Presbyterian Seminary Mm -hmm. in Louisville, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. probably not there already, Um, and it needs to be on paper for certain kinds of folk to be able to hear our stories, right? Yeah. It, you. It shouldn't have to be on paper. We should be able to We're hear right. each other's testimonies just to be in community, to be in the church, to be mm-hmm. in the world. But the actual world works in such a way that they'll understand us better. They'll hear us better if yeah. it's written in a book that's on a bookshelf at the seminary.
0: Yeah. Which is it's, your, it's that idea of that access of, there's plenty of people telling their stories online. Yep but certain people will never consider that credible until it's in a book like that's printed out. And a lot of times has someone compiling it who has some sort of credentials. I was wondering if that's part of your reasoning for finally going to seminaries because as unfair and bad as it is, that is often sort of a necessity in order to get your voice out there.
1: Yeah. I, I My original, when I left college, I had led the campus ministry Uh, like president, newsletter editor. And I thought, let me do two or three years of volunteer work, right? Volunteer in mission or something like that. And then I'll go to seminary. That was my plan. I didn't want to stick in the ivory tower. And then I'd spent 10 years at the other side magazine. And I really didn't want to go to seminary and fight battles over Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Uh. (laughs) I I, I feel called to do ministry, but I don't feel called to be embattled for no good reason. Um, Yeah. And so it took 25 years for me to be like, oh, maybe the seminary work, maybe the academy has changed enough that I don't have to be in embattled. And maybe mm-hmm. I've changed enough that I, even if they want to do battle,
0: I'll be like, here's my book. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I've, I've done the battle. Here it is on paper. Enjoy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Once you've read my yeah. book, we can we can resume this conversation. Yes. But first, like, yeah, I, I'm going to go study Hebrew now. Um, <laughs> And I am yeah. very, very happy to be going to Drew University. It, like, I've been on there on. You know, the nice thing about the pandemic is I've got to Zoom with seminary stuff events mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. without even having to commute. And so, like, I'm like mm-hmm. at convocation weeping about people I don't even know. I'm like, oh my god, the oh. semester's <laughs> over. I'm not going to have Zoom with Drew all summer. Oh my oh. gosh, what am I going to do? So I'm just, I'm very excited about Drew.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think you're going to thrive and make waves and have a lot of fun and meet even more people. Oh, I'm excited for you.
1: It's funny. As soon as I posted on Facebook, somebody, a trans person from Drew, was like, hey, can I, can I introduce <laughs> I find- you to some people?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh
1: my people found me already. Already, already.
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so, like you didn't even have to step foot on campus. And they're like, hey, we got you. Isn't it? Isn't that? It's great. It's great. Yeah. So I'm looking Uh, forward. One question I was going to have for you that you've answered throughout this is why you decided to make trans faith a multi-faith website instead of just Christian specific. And it seems clear that part of that is because of your own beliefs that you've had this animism for a long time. Um, but also because yeah like what what we learned from each other and um,
1: yeah I mean it started out as just like I'm going to put everything I can find up and initially it it, it, most of what I could find was predominantly Christian and Mm -hmm. but then like what am I going to do just ignore transgender Jews who are doing Mm -hmm. brilliant stuff about Hebrew texts like why would I omit that it doesn't make any sense and Lewis has this term, "holy hybrid," that I that I use mm, a lot, but it's like original that. to him and honoring that it came from him. Um, but it's not just about gender; like mm. we're not just holy hybrids in gender. And so I, I I also really am in support of folk diving deep into specific traditions and the particularity. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much to be gained from this intermingling and cross fertilization that yes. can happen. Right? Yes you know, and if you, if you actually have real conversations mm-hmm. with even sort of like marquee transgender Christians, if you have a personal intimate conversation with them, mm-hmm. you, you might find mindfulness and or Buddhist practice is how they actually start yeah. their day, that they're in touch with their Puerto Rican or other indigenous, you know, family resonances, you know, it, so it's also born of just talking to to folk like being in community Mm -hmm. with folk and and being like oh no i i understand more about god from Mm -hmm. hearing my non-theistic buddhist friend talk about their practice like i I don't know how to separate the testimonies one from Mm -hmm. the other and so uh, that's sort of as i seem to be shifting towards a more explicitly humanist framework, part of what happens is in multi-faith work around transgender communities, it becomes very clear that our purpose is about transgender well-being. And so if you're Muslim, I want you to thrive as a trans-Muslim. And if you're Jewish, I want you to thrive as a trans-Jew. And if you're a trans-witch, I want you to thrive as a trans-witch. And so that means I have to, not just that I have to set aside those doctrinal differences or theoretical inconsistencies or whatever but that that's the that's the opening that's the opportunity that we that we all share this concern about helping one another to thrive and for some folk like some of those folks are like i used to be christian clergy and i'm converting to judaism because all the reasons that it's going to work better for me and some of that probably happened out of trans community and going like oh you know I, i have this current like super crush because I've been listening to and talking with Joy Layden and Liam Hooper mm. and, you know, some of the folk in uh, otherwise Christian too, who mm-hmm. are longtime friends, but then with the writing, you get to have these deeper conversations, right? Because you're, yeah. I'm sort of editing somebody's testimony, like testimony is still Christian language, right? But it's like a, yeah. this very personal religious, spiritual offering and then you get to have these really, profound conversations around everything from Hebrew text to the kinds of abuse people have suffered. Um, you know, it's such a wide range of stuff. And so it's such a blessing to have that opportunity to be with, to be present with folk in the midst of that. And, and as I'm navigating like seminary and thinking about chaplaincy, it's like, Oh, actually I've been doing a humanist thing for a long time. Mm. And, and yeah. I, I didn't think of it as a humanist thing I thought about it as multi-faith organizing mm-hmm. but the, but the sort of philosophical approach underneath it is like those, those those beliefs don't matter if we're if the practice is one that's supportive of trans people then we should be able to come together around that mm-hmm. um, and I, pr- I pray differently than even you do maybe or yeah or differently than somebody else who claims a different label and yet we can come together and learn from one another and we share mm-hmm. these values. Of helping our folk be less despairing and less suicidal and yes. less mur- murdered and yeah. less hitting our heads against the wall of these institutions. Like we
0: mm-hmm. share all of that yeah. in common. Absolutely. There's a Catholic nun named Macrina Whitaker, and she talks about how she remains a Catholic despite all, for her, a lot of it, she hates how much sexism is in the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. Um, but she decides to stay because she feels more fed than failed. And then she understands other people leave because they feel more failed than fed. And I feel like that goes with what you're saying about when you meet a Jewish trans person, you just want them to thrive as a trans Jew. I think it's that idea. We want people to find nourishment and to be fed wherever that is for them. And you, you mentioned that you're looking maybe towards chaplaincy. And I think that's exactly what a chaplain looks for for people. So... I think it's, is is that a big part of why that's a ministry calling to you right now?
1: Yeah. I mean, well, the the first piece is, you know, part of why I was really cranky with the UCC when I realized they (laughs) removed this late category was like, Uh why do I have to be specifically Christian clergy to Mm. go into an interfaith secular setting? Yeah. Or I'm just going to have to suspend that Christian particularity anyways.
0: Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. You're so right.
1: (laughs) And there's other reasons. And apparently I'm learning it's all, there's lots of complexities to chaplaincy credentialing Mm. that are Mm -hmm. messy right now anyways. So who who knows what happens in three years, but my primary call I feel like is to, I I really think changing the face of practical theology and pastoral care education, right. By by creating resources that people can teach from so that well-meaning Cisgender and endosex people can be better educated to meet our meet our folk where they yeah. where they are, right? Whether yeah. that's um, experiencing houselessness or um, addiction or despair or or whatever, mm-hmm. or calls to ministry, right? Yeah. Or yeah. overflowing yeah. joy that yeah. that folk can be better prepared to to meet us and to mm-hmm. be in relationships of mutuality yeah. that don't require us to be the educational task force of
0: one. Yes. Oh please, yes. <laughs> you
1: know? so I feel like the MDiv is part of that. I feel like I could be writing books, like
0: yes, like, yeah. You
1: know, they could be on that shelf at at, at the seminary. Mm-hmm. Um, that that then some pastor who has some parent come to them because the doctors want to chop up their little baby's mm-hmm. genitalia. Yeah, and and for that pastor to be able to find that book, right? Yeah. For, yeah. for that parent mm-hmm. to be able to find that book mm-hmm. to, to me that you know i just feel very clear about practical theology pastoral care mm-hmm. um is a place where i know i can i can pretty quickly and pretty easily make a difference
0: yeah
1: and so chaplaincy is also part of like i want to know what the industry already knows i want to know what the, mm-hmm. the expertise in the field so that i can translate what i know from community work mm-hmm. into um, frameworks that make sense for people who are in that academic mode so that chaplains who meet us in the hospital, so that chaplains who meet us in hospice care, who chaplains who meet us in prisons, right? Our folk get mm-hmm. incarcerated, you know, for walking yeah. all trans. Yeah. And so are chaplains in prisons equipped to support the trans people that are in there? Mm-hmm. Maybe if we could write some more books, that would be a little bit more ready. I, I don't have the illusion that books yeah. are going to save the world, but after 20 years of trying to just do community work in these well-meaning institutions, I'm like, mm-hmm. I-, I need something that can, frankly, oh, this is interesting. I'm not sure if I ever put this together before this moment.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's exhausting to do that work mm-hmm. as the one person educational t- task force at your church or whatever. Yes, and, it is. And, and it's easy at the end of a year to be like, what did I really accomplish for all that exhaustion? Not yeah. to dismiss it, not to dismiss it at all, right? Mm-hmm. I've done that work. Um, But it's easy to look back and say like, oh, I'm tired and I'm not sure what's going to last. Mm-hmm. And so I have the sense of I, I can have a more lasting impact
0: at this point yeah. in my life
1: and in this, this point in my career by putting books on that bookshelf that mm-hmm. will be there for the next 50 years.
0: Yeah, it's something solid that even when you're out of energy to do that work, your book is doing that work for you. Amen. Um, oh, this is yeah. exciting. <laughs> Gosh, I'm just... I'm like I'm feeling like I'm overflowing right now, overflowing Yay. with joy and excitement. I feel very full right now. So thank you for this conversation. It's been so nourishing to me and I think it'll nourish a lot of people when they hear it.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you for having me on. Like we said at the beginning, like I feel like kindred spirits and I'm delighted that you're doing this and that you let me let me come on and talk about my stuff.
0: It's been it's been really fun. Oh yeah. So usually to wrap up um, an episode, I like to ask one last question, which is just, if you have one more little piece of wisdom, as if you haven't already just given so much wisdom to um the conversation, if you have one more little thing to sort of wrap up for trans people, otherwise gendered people of faith or in general, um, what would it be?
1: Finder people. I, I mean, I, I have, I've already said it a couple of different ways, but finder mm-hmm. people, I just think there's so much... Nourishment, if you want to be alone, okay, that's fine. Um, But you don't have to be alone, you know, you're not actually alone. And even if you think you're an obscure mix of race and spiritual journey and gender expression and pronouns that people call weird or like all the ways that you might feel that you're misfit that's the language I'm using lately. You're not alone mm-hmm. in feeling misfit. You're not alone in feeling odd. So mm-hmm. many of us have felt that way in, in so many times of our lives in so many ways, and you, you do not have to be alone mm-hmm. in that. So uh, I just encourage folk to, to reach out. And, and you can reach out on the internet, and you can reach out in podcasts yes. and yeah. books. But like I said, it, you know, I'll never forget when Malcolm asked me what pronouns he should use mm-hmm. for me. The mm-hmm. little little things like that yeah
0: made, and that he acted on it too and
1: that he acted asking. on that reflected it back to me showed me that he had been listening it changed my life you know mm-hmm. it wasn't the only thing that changed my life it wasn't the only thing that influenced me but it broke something new and different open in me and so mm-hmm. I encouraged folk to um community can be messy yes
0: yeah. <laughs> oh thing. that's true it's
1: mm-hmm. not not to say that it's easy or simple And so it's not just find every person. (laughs) Find your your people. I might make you crazy. I might be like the most annoying. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm not decent in an order anymore. You know, too animated, too loud, too angry, too whatever. Like find Mm -hmm. your people. Mm -hmm. It might not be me. We're my testimony is we're out
0: there. Yeah, Um, Yeah.
1: and it's it's not always easy, but you don't have to be alone if you don't want to be.
0: Amen. I hope you feel even a little as overflowing with joy after listening to that as I did. I cannot urge you enough to check out Chris's books and blog posts and other content over at otherwisechristian.com. If you get something worthwhile out of this podcast, please support it. I would love for it to reach more people rate, and review it on iTunes, or whatever podcasting platform you listen to it on. That really is the best way to help more people find it. Or share the podcast with a loved one, or send some money my way at ko com slash queerlychristian, or at patreon.com slash queerlychristian. My heartfelt gratitude goes to all of my patrons, but especially those patrons who support me at the $12 level or higher. This month, Adrian has joined my Patreon family at that level. Thank you, Adrian. And thank you also to my steadfast friends, Jay Gebner, Willow Holving, and Ron Hartzler. Y'all are simply wonderful. I have to give a special shout out to Ron. Thank you especially, Ron, for your recent generosity. You are inspiring me to produce as much content as I can each month, not only surrounding this podcast, but also on Tumblr, on YouTube, and at my website, blessedarethebinarybreakers.com. Well, that's it, I think. Keep on taking care of yourselves, dear friends as we continue through this scary time of pandemic. If you would like to chat about anything, or if you have questions or feedback, or if you are interested in coming on this show, reach out to me at queerlychristian36 at gmail.com. I'll see y'all next month. In the meantime, be sure to break some binaries and to be a blessing to the world with your life.